from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good, good morning, Cyber Gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast, Thursday, December 14th, 2023. Ten short days to the day where a magic man wearing a red suit travels around the world in 24 hours delivering gifts to all the young kids that are just eagerly waiting to get their new playstation 5 just kidding i I don't know what the gift of the year is put it in the comments i don't know we're live facebook linkedin youtube twitter twitch x and rumble Uh, twitter is x rumble twitch youtube linkedin facebook you name it we're there also find us on your favorite podcast listening platform whether it be google spotify apple or wherever you decide to enjoy a getaway from the, uh, the the world and listen to something, please make sure to subscribe wherever you find us. Give us a five-star rating, comment, reply, return. Let us know what you're looking for. We're always taking in feedback. A lot of the show is built on your feedback as viewers and listeners. A lot of the stuff you write to us always makes it into the show. So without further ado, Go check out our Substack, jamesazar.substack.com. You can find all the latest. When you become a supporter of our Substack, we send you this beautiful travel espresso mug that's just so luxurious and powerful and keeps your espresso really, really warm. Without further ado, coffee cup cheers, y'all. A lot of exclusive content on our Substack, by the way, and just for our subscribers. So go check that out. Go ahead and get started with China this morning and Vault Typhoon. Malware hunters in the U.S. are setting their eyes on an impossible-to-kill botnet packed with end-of-life Soho routers, serving as a covert data transfer network for a Volt Typhoon, which is backed by the Chinese government, and it's caught targeting U.S. critical infrastructure. Remember how it kicked off this week? I've been talking about this a lot. We are playing a game where we think our standards apply to our enemies, and our enemies don't use the same standards. Vault Typhoon has first been spotted targeting our critical infrastructure in Guam, which is a U.S. territory. It's also very strategic for the U.S. Um, Guam is where we can, uh, where a lot of our forces prepare for Asian missions. And so there's that. Vault Typhoon has been flagged by Microsoft and the U.S. government as showcasing their ability to disrupt critical infrastructure and critical communications in critical infrastructure in the event of a clash between the u.s and china when you have to understand we're we're sitting here and we're like how do we do this and what's the right and acceptable way to do it and 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 so forth and china doesn't care if china took down the grid in the u.s for 60 days and a million people happened to die and hospitals ran out of the ability to serve uh ill patients and premature babies that were born are unable to be saved China wouldn't shed a tear or wouldn't care about it or wouldn't consider the humanitarian aspect of anything they do because they don't deal in humanitarian. They deal in winning, right? And so that's what they care about. And we constantly see this and we're not yet really picking up on the fact that we're trying to speak one way and our enemies see that as a weakness and as such are taking care of it. Now, everything they're doing now, uh, the the Chinese are doing with this bonnet is really intent to disrupt. This isn't something that can be easily taken down. This will need to have some sort of 
uh, handle on it. They're urging to look for large data transfers out of network, even if the destination IP is located in the same geographical area, because what we've seen threat actors do now, by the way, not only Vault Typhoon, but the Iranians and the Russians as well do this, is they'll transfer data to uh, a, a US-based data center so you wouldn't question the IP, and then from there they'll transfer it overseas once you lose that visibility. So it's really, really important to understand that. That loss of visibility is critical. And in critical infrastructure, by the way, the DDoS attack, this disruption taking down networks, that can typically be unplugged and plugged. Typically, most power plants have 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 two networks for in, in critical areas, right? So big cities and so forth. You know, so 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 there's that. There's the blue and green side of the house. But and they're two different vendors, meaning so it's just because you focus on A doesn't mean you're gonna get B and B and A aren't the same. And then that's kind of designed in in the continuity and resiliency of the grid, but that's not everywhere. And that's really important to note, right? Um, and, and again, for the sake of transparency, to, to give that. Microsoft on Wednesday announced the disruption of Storm 1152, a cybercrime as a service ecosystem that's created 750 million fraudulent Microsoft accounts in support of phishing, identity theft, and other schemes. Uh, Storm 1152 runs illicit websites and social media pages. They sell fraudulent Microsoft accounts and tools to bypass identity verification softwares across well-known technology platforms. These services reduce the time and effort needed for criminals to conduct uh, criminal behavior. Storm 1152's customers have been Octo Tempest, also known as Scattered Spider, uh, which has used the fraudulent accounts in social engineering attacks aimed towards financial extortion. Storm 052 and Storm 0455 0252 uh, sorry and 0455 and other ransomware of extortion groups have also purchased accounts from this market on december 7th the court ordered allowed microsoft to take over domains such as hotmailbox.me first captcha any captcha and none captcha as well as social media accounts that have been urging to promote the illicit services the microsoft has revealed the identity of three individuals believed to be operating storm 1152 all based in vietnam uh duong ding Tu, lin von nien and Tai Von Nien. Um, our findings show that these individuals operated and wrote the code for the illicit websites, published detailed step-by-step -step instructions on how to use their products via, via video tutorials, and provided chat services there as well. So um, Arcos Labs also has observed the pivoting business model to circumvent protective measures. So we see that. By the way, don't be surprised just because they're Vietnamese that this doesn't have a Chinese stamp on it. It could very well do that China, uh, and, and as I talked about it yesterday on the show, they use hacktivism uh, in order to cover for nation-state activities in order not to get you to think twice again. Our enemies understand the complexities, and we ought to say the rights for an American are different, uh, uh, and, and the rights for people who believe in Western values should be different than the rights of those governments who seek to diminish those rights. We'll get to that also. We've got a story at the end of the day, at the end of the show here for that. Hackers are attempting to leverage a recently fixed vulnerability in Apache struts that leads to remote code execution, but it appears that threat actors have already started taking advantage of it. This is CVE 2023-50164. Researchers are observing a small number of IP addresses engaged in exploitation attempts. Apache being an open strut web application framework uh, made famous uh, due to the Equifax a breach back in 2017 on december 7th apache released struts version 6.3.0.2 and 2.5.33 to address cr the critical severity vulnerability identified in the cve it's a path traversal issue that could be exploited if certain conditions are met and now we are seeing 
that uh, this is possible and there's uh, attempts to do that. In an advisory yesterday, Cisco said it's investigating to determine which of its products with Apache struts may be affected and to what extent. Under analysis uh, at Cisco is the customer collaboration platform, identity services engine, Nexus dashboard, fabric controller, unified communication manager, unified contact center enterprise, and prime infrastructure, all of which are there. The Russian cyber espionage group known as APT29 has been exploiting the Team City vulnerability on a large scale since at least September of this year, according to government agencies in the US, UK, and Poland. CVE 2023 427903, a CVSS score of 9.8, is the Team City uh, impacting on prem Team City instances. It's described as an authentication bypass. We talked about it extensively back in September on the show, and you guys can go check that out in some of our previous YouTube videos from September. Uh, or on your favorite podcast listening platform, we went into extensive uh, uh, detail of this specific vulnerability. Government agencies now are saying that they're seeing Russian nation-state actors exploiting the vulnerabilities in cyber attacks. This is being attributed to Cozy Bear, who were previously blamed for potentially interrupting the 2016 U.S. elections and the responsible for the 2020 solar wind hacks that now has Tim Brown um, having to deal with an SEC action. The SVR has been observed using the initial access glean by exploiting the Team City CVE to escalate privileges, move laterally, deploy additional backdoors, and take other steps to ensure persistence um, and long-term access to compromised network environments. As part of the attacks, uh, a, uh, Cozy Bear does exploit uh, CVE 2023 to execute code with high privileges and gain a foothold on the targeted environment. They perform reconnaissance, exfil files, shown an interest in SQL servers, disable EDR and antivirus and establish persistence and moves to exfiltrate all of that as well by the way the way to disable it is because we allow that to happen there's rules against that and speak to your edr provider an xdr provider on those so that if anything ever gets disabled you actually get a notice right off the bat and that seems fishy that should help you get a little preemption uh, to that as well iranian state-sponsored oil rig group is deploying Three new downloaders, the Iranian state sponsor actors deploying three different downloader uh, malwares through 2022 to maintain persistence to victim organizations located in Israel. We talked about it uh, a few days ago on the show. Um, there's a, a a thing going on here, folks. And what, what's, what's going on is the Iranians are now starting to, to really try to gain persistence within the Israeli networks, realizing that this war with Hamas is not going to stop because the UN voted for something or because uh, Biden asked for it. Um, Israel's fighting a war for its existence uh, and for the security of its citizens. And if you don't see it, then we should have a debate offline. Um, and so Israel's not going to stop. Iran's trying to gain some sort of persistence in, in the cyber arena in order to disrupt commerce in Israel, realizing that this does take a toll on an economy. Obviously, with so many people out there uh, being uh, deployed, uh, and so forth. This year alone, uh, there's been a bunch of ma novel malwares being leveraged, like Mr. Perfection Manager, Power Exchange, Solar, Mango, and Menorah, uh, which uh, tonight, last night of Hanukkah, we light the Menorah, the Menorah will be fully lit tonight. So that's a very exciting time for many Jews as we celebrate the miracle of defeating the Greeks and uh, reclaiming our temple. Um, so Iran, for their end, our operating accounts exchange messages with operators. Uh, the same account is typically shared by multiple victims, and that's how they're keeping track of a lot of these things. Again, they're also using 
uh, API to interact with actor-controlled OneDrive accounts as opposed to uh, Outlook accounts in order to fetch commands and payloads. You're, you're starting to see the sophistication of Graph API for network communication. Um, and, and so more and more attackers are going to do that, and visibility into your APIs is going to be even be more critical going forward, especially within your environment. In some patching news, Dell is urging customers of its PowerProtect products to review a newly released security advisory and patch a series of potentially serious vulnerabilities. The serious vulnerabilities impact the PowerProtect data domain series appliances, which are designed to help organizations protect, manage, and recover data at scale. APAS, APAC, sorry, APAX Protect Storage and PowerProtect DD Management Center, PowerProtect DP series appliances, as well as data manager appliances are also affected. The CVSS scores 8.8, CVE44286, uh, described as a DOM-based cross-site scripting issues. So exploitation uh, could lead to client-side forgery requests, session theft, and information disclosure. Uh, while it's not specified in Dell's advisories, exploiting these flaws would typically involve the attacker tricking the victim into clicking on some sort of malicious link, uh, which, as we know, is not always that difficult, but you can patch these, so you should do that. Our government, the warrantless 70, section 702 is slated to expire in days, and it's closer to lasting for at least a few more months after the U.S. Senate on Wednesday passed the annual defense policy bill that included a temporary extension for FISA. FISA uh, set to sunset at the end of this year if there's no congressional action, but would stay in place now until at least April 19th of next year after an 87 to 13 vote to approve an 886 Billion-dollar defense authorization bill with a short-term renewal attached. The measure now goes to the House, where it's expected to be taken up today. Uh, prior to the passage, lawmakers voted 65-35 to block an effort by Senator Rand Paul that would have stripped the surveillance authority's extension from the policy roadmap. Obviously, Section 702 needs some revamping. Surveillance on Americans without a warrant uh, goes against our Bill of Rights uh, and our rights altogether. And the most useless organization on the planet, the UN Cybercrime Treaty, is now showing that it's headed in the wrong direction. And count me on the uh, column that's not surprised by this one. Several uh, experts involved in the negotiating process has told Recorded Future that the draft published late last month would effectively criminalize cybersecurity research and overlook human rights. No, no, the UN overlooking human rights. No, what would have given you that, Syria? Yemen, what's happening in Sudan now, Somalia, Ethiopia, China, Iran, can I keep going? No, the UN, no. So this is uh, coming to, to kind of take issue with a previous agreement called the Budapest Convention, demanding something new to address the issue. So there's blatant disregard to any sort of input that's typical of the UN under the leadership of its current uh, uh president antonio whatever his name is um and so no surprise there we shouldn't look at the un to do any sort of cybercrime treaty that should be established by uh, uh um, nations that have the same values and you don't have the iran running the un human rights council iran iran who are killing people in prisons who murder women in the streets for not covering up their hair those are the people in charge of human rights in the UN today. Yeah. If you thought I was laughing, that's not a joke. That's actually happening. That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back with a whole lot more on Monday. Until then, have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, all stay cyber safe.
We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. 